Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11 together. And uh, we live in uncertain times where it can be challenging to put our faith in, in, in Jesus into, into action. But good news, the good news is that uncertain times are also the times when there is the breeding ground of faith, where faith is able to grow and flourish. So throughout this series, we've been thinking about how we might um, embrace these uncertain times that we live in, that our faith might be able to grow, that we might not be able to shrink back, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but instead to step forward, stepping forward that we might see the greatness and the power of Jesus. One of the challenges of faith is what we should expect as we put our faith into something. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about faith being a confidence of what we hope for and being certain of what we do not see. The fact that being a person of faith means we need to have a vision of what God, what, uh, or what we expect God can and could or might do as we put our faith in him. At our church members meeting, if you haven't heard already, we stepped out in faith as a church family as we approved our church budget. It doesn't sound particularly faith-filled, does it, and particularly exciting, but I think it's one of the most significant things we've done in a church members meeting for a while. In previous years, as a church, we budgeted around what we expect to happen. We've budgeted as to whether we think our giving is going to go up and down a little bit. We've budgeted for the expenses that we anticipate we're going to have to pay for as a church. And we've based our whole budget, the way that we operate as a church, around what we expect. For the last eight years, every single year, we have expected to lose money. We've expected to not have enough to pay the bills of all that is happening in the life of our church. And as a result, we have expected to scrimp and to save wherever possible in order, and to have to spend our limited reserves in order to be able to continue to sustain the life and ministry of our church. And through all this, God has been good When I first joined the church, I remember someone saying to me, Matt, we've got about enough money to give you surety for two years here at Arbor Road Baptist Church. And eight years later, you might be wishing it only did last two years, but I'm still here. You're not getting rid of me that easily just yet. God is good. God is faithful. He has provided. But this year, we thought we'd change our expectations. Whilst we have our financial expectations, we also have our faith, our faith-filled expectations. We believe that God is good. We believe that he provides for our needs. So this year, we're not budgeting based on our expectations, but we're based in our budgeting on the promises of God. We believe that God promises to give to those according to their need. We believe that God doesn't give us just enough to scrape by, but he's the God of abundance. We believe that God wants his church to be fueled and resourced for his mission here in North Cambridge. 
So this year, we're expecting and budgeting that our budget is going to not be in deficit where we have to use, not have enough money, but to be balanced, to have enough money to pay for the bills that we expect. A budget where we're able to cover the ministry of our church. So this year, we're stepping out in faith that God will provide for his church an additional, wait for it, £40,000. We have absolutely no idea how this will happen, but we're stepping out in faith. when We're placing our faith in the goodness of God. But there is an uncomfortable truth. Sometimes we can have all the faith in the world, and yet our expectations are not fulfilled. We might be budgeting for £40,000, but what happens if we only get £20,000? What happens if we just get an extra tenner? Um, uh, And this isn't just seen in our church's budget, it's seen in our own lives as well. We love to quote the words of Jesus that faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, and it can. But what happens when we have all the faith in the world, but the mountain is not moved? The times when full of faith we pray for healing, and that healing never comes. The times when we pray for God's provision and blessing, full of faith. But that provision and blessing is never fulfilled. The times when full of faith we pray for Jesus to be the light of the world, shining into the darkness of our world. And yet the world just seems to get darker and more and more uncertain. When we step out in faith, we can have great expectations But how do we hold and manage those expectations of faith with the reality of the world around us, even in uncertain times? That is what we're going to be thinking about together this morning. So I'm going to pray, then we're going to read God's word, and then we're going to think a little bit more about what we might learn as we continue this series, looking at the great hall of faith in Hebrews 11 together. But let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for all that is contained within it, for the way in which you reveal yourself to us through it, and through the way in which it can teach us and help us to live our lives as we follow and worship you. And so, Lord, as we gather together around your word now, we pray that your spirit would be moving and working. May we have ears to hear what you are saying, hearts that are soft enough to hear what you have to say that it might bed down into our lives and bear good fruit throughout our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the back end of Hebrews 11 this morning, starting at verse 32 and going through to verse 40, where we're told this. And what shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. 
There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what they had, had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Between this passage that we've read today and what Roland shared with us last week, in between these two passages, we hear a great list of what people have achieved by faith. And as we come to this passage today, the writer starts off as he's been carrying on, sharing more stories of what people have achieved by faith. He could, share, he could tell us more about Gideon, about Samson. There are references to Elijah, to Elisha, to Daniel, and many more contained within this passage. There are those countless people who can't even be named, or are not even named, uh, who have seen God do amazing things as they have placed their faith in him. Now, as we look at this list we see some great names of faith. After all, it is the hall of faith. So, of course, we're going to be encouraged by what God has done through these individuals. We see names like Abraham, like Moses, Samson, the great military leader, Barak. Uh, we can find ourselves looking at these names and saying, that's great. Aren't they good, great, strong men of faith, people of faith? But then finding ourselves going, well, that's what God can do with them, but he could never do that with me. Doubting our own faith as to whether we could do have a faith like those before us. Now, if we are to embrace this mindset, then we're, we're missing the point. God doesn't just use heroes of faith to be heroes of faith. God is not limited by the kind of people that we are in fact, God often takes the weakest, the poorest, the least significant people and uses their faith in ways that they could only dream or imagine. Every name in this hall of faith has attached to it a different personality, a different background, a different set of skills, and so much more. Yet regardless of who they were, their faith is still powerfully used by God as they step out in faith for him. And so this is the crux of where I want to start this morning and get, our, uh, and get the message across to us all, is that faith is defined by God and not by you. Let's take a moment to consider some of those so-called heroes of the faith that we look at, in the, that we hear the names of in this passage. We've heard, uh, heard already about Moses Moses was a great man of faith, but he was also a guy who'd killed a bloke. Rahab, a great woman of faith, 
She was a prostitute. Gideon, the great, strong, mighty warrior, a man of faith. When God first found him, he was terrified to even walk out a door of the wine press in case he might see a spider or see a baddie. He was so, uh, so um, timid in his faith. Faith-filled expectations means that we need to get over ourselves. We can't define our faith by what we see in ourselves, but rather by what God sees in us. We need to define our faith by, uh, uh, by what God can do, despite who we are. He is still able to do more than we could ever dream and imagine. So if we, are to if we think about what to expect as we step out in faith, let's never let the perception of ourselves, of who we are, define our expectations of what God can do as we put our faith in him. If he can use Rahab, if he can use Gideon, if he can use Daniel, he can also use you, he can use me today as well. So that's where we're starting. God can use anybody as we put our faith in him. And if God can use anybody, then we too can have confidence that as we are used by God, that our faith, or that we will advance as we step out in faith. Verses 33 to 35 of this passage, just like the rest of the chapter, are full of amazing stories of faith, of the power of God at work as people put their faith in him. The stories of kingdoms being conquered, of justice being served, miraculous wonders taking place, even the dead being raised to life. What a vision of faith that encourages our hearts to believe to put our faith in God. But let me encourage you that this isn't just what faith did in the past, but it's also what God is still doing as we, place our as we put our faith in him today. God is still at work. He's still moving. He's still advancing powerfully as people put their faith in him. A couple of weeks ago, we were reminded of the God who took nothing and made everything, that our faith brings great power and continues to move and work today. If you want to see what the power of faith can do, listen to Helen and Witt's video um, that, was shared, that I mentioned in the church news earlier. God is on the move. I'm sure we've all heard the testimonies and the stories of what God has done in people's lives. The addicts who've been set free from addiction. The criminal whose life has been turned around. The hopeless who've been given hope. The signs and the wonders that would be impossible if it were for anyone other than God. When we have faith, God does amazing things as his kingdom advances. His power is revealed as we put our faith in him. As a church, we have put our faith in God that he might provide us £40,000. In many ways, that's just a mustard seed of faith because God could just as easily give us £400,000, even £4 million, and both would be insignificant amounts of money to him. When you place your faith in God, 
What are your expectations? What are you expecting God to do? How great could God, what are the things that God could do as you just do one small step of faith for him? What might, your expe- what might be limiting your expectations as we think about the power of putting our faith in Jesus? So far we've talked about the kind of faith that everyone loves to talk about. The kind where we ask and then God does. You know, that's the great stories of faith. God providing for his people. It really uplifts us and, cha- and, and stirs us up to be people of faith. But that's not where the letter to the Hebrews stops. Instead, as we move on from verse 35, the tone of this letter becomes pretty dark and bleak. Instead of stories where faith advances, we hear stories of where faith endures even in times of great hardship and times of uncertainty. Remember that faith is part of the armour of God. In Ephesians 6, those of us who are more familiar with our Bibles remember the great armour of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And what's the sh- what's the, uh, where does faith come into it? It's the shield of faith. Faith is not just about an attack weapon where we go and take what we want and God moves and advances, but it's also a defensive tool. It's, for, it's vital for our protection as we follow and put our faith in Jesus. This kind of faith might not be as exciting as the a faith that advances where God we ask and God provides, but it's just as vital, just as powerful, if not even more so, because it enables our faith to continue to endure even when we find ourselves facing difficult times and circumstances. So we're told that it's by faith that people endured in the face of torture. It was by faith that people faced jeers and physical abuse. It's by faith that people were faithful to the point of death. They were embarrassed, they were destitute, they had nowhere to go. Yet their faith endured. When I read these verses in, uh, uh, in Hebrews 11, I sort of sit there and thinking, where? Where is God in moments like that? In the midst of that pain, in the midst of that darkness, in the midst of that evil and death, where is God? And yet faith remained. Faith can be celebrated as the power of God advances. And we have those great mountaintop experiences of seeing the wonder and the power of what God alone can do. But faith also remains when we're down in the valleys, in the sh- walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist says, for even there I shall fear no evil. It is easy to have great expectations in faith, to have that great positive mindset of what God can do. It's easy to trust that we will see God doing those miraculous breakthroughs and that everything will be okay. But even to see those great miraculous breakthroughs of faith, we still need to endure the pain that leads to us being able to see that breakthrough in the first place. 
as much as we expect the great expectations of faith, do we also expect to have a faith that endures? That when there's no other hope to hold on to, still our faith will remain? Do we expect to shelter under the shield of faith as well as just advance in faith? Faith is given that we, might, that we might have strength to suffer as well as conquer. That sits uncomfortably with us, doesn't it? Faith isn't just about conquering with God, but it's about suffering with God. Faith is given that we might endure even when we face times of great uncertainty. Faith reminds us that even when it appears like there is no hope, Still, we have hope. So you might be sitting here going, this all sounds a little bit challenging. Uh, Not really the sort of encouraging sermon that I heard about this morning. How can we have faith that endures like that? Well, at the end of this passage, we see that we can hold on to the promise that we have in Jesus and the hope that we have in Jesus. And it is by that hope alone that we can endure these challenging times. Everyone in the Hall of Faith shared one thing in common. Uh, As as we hear uh, at the end of the letter, none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better. In Hebrews, we might not be reading, uh, or we might be reading the New Testament, but the author is writing to a Jewish audience. Every single one of the names that is found in the Hall of Faith is found back in the Old Testament. They knew and had heard the promises of God. They'd spent their lives waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled. And there was no greater promise than that of the promised Messiah, the saviour of the world, the restorer of God's people. We're going to get a bit Christmassy in a moment, but that great prophecy from Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The hall of faith, whether in the good times, in the hard times, all had a promise that they could hold on to. No matter how uncertain life became, no matter how difficult and challenging it was to put their faith in God, they had a hope that one day the promise of God would be fulfilled. They were waiting in faith, full of hope and with great expectation for the Messiah, for Jesus. Jesus came into our world to reveal the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Yet Jesus also knew what it was to suffer, to endure, to lay down his life, to look forward to a new era defined by faith, a new era no longer defined by death and pain and hardship, but instead defined by life as it was created to be lived. A new era ultimately revealed as he who was crucified, placed in a tomb, then rose again, demonstrating the power of faith when we place our trust in Jesus. And the great news for us today is that because 
of Jesus, we can still have that hope that encourages our faith, that enables our faith to endure even in uncertain times. We have hope because our faith is in the risen Jesus. The hall of faith might have been holding on to the promise of what God had promised to reveal before them, but today that promise has been revealed, it has been fulfilled. When Isaiah says a light is flickering in the future, now we're living in the abundance of that light being shone into the reality of our world today. No matter how uncertain our world might be, how bleak it might become, Jesus is the great light shining into the darkness. Today we have faith that a new light has dawned because Jesus is alive. Sin and death have been defeated as we place our hope in him. No matter what life throws at us, we can be sure that as we put our faith in Jesus, we will continue to endure. When we talk about having faith, I wonder what are your expectations this morning? Do you have great expectations of being people of faith this morning? It's great to be full of faith. It's great to have great hopes and ideas. But as well as having great expectations, are you willing to, ex- to greatly endure, to endure in faith? Can you, God can use anyone to, uh, as they put their faith in him. The question is, will you let him use you? Will you let your, him add, or will you add your name to the hall of faith as you put your faith and your trust in Jesus? Faith is not given just for the good times, but it's also given for the uncertain times. In Jesus, we all have hope that isn't some distant hope for the future, but it's a hope that we can all know and endure in life with today. Jesus not only suffered and endured, but he rose again. He conquered the grave. He conquered the power of sin forevermore. And in his victory, today, we stand. So as we live in these uncertain terms, or uncertain times, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, may we not shrink back, but may we run forward in faith. Amidst all the uncertainty around us, may we continue to place our hope in Jesus. For as we hear here in the very next chapter, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, the, the writer goes on to say this, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. No matter how uncertain our world might become, may we always remember Jesus and base our expectations on him.
May we fix our eyes on him, that we too might be faithful even in the uncertainty and never grow weary or lose heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this morning, we want to fix our eyes on you again, recognizing that you are the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And we want to run with perseverance the race marked out before us. So Lord God, as we put our faith in you this morning, we pray that we would see those faith-filled breakthroughs as your kingdom advances, as we put our faith in you. Lord, may we be lost in wonder. May our minds be confused and our hearts full of praise and worship as we see what you alone can do. But Lord, as we pray for those mountaintop experiences, as we see faith advance, Lord, we too pray that we would have a faith that endures that even in the deepest and darkest of valleys, we would still know that your, that your love and your faith continues to remain. Lord Jesus, we want to live our lives for you in all times, in all circumstances. And in this uncertain world, we once again pray that we would go your way and that in every time, in every season, we will continue to praise you and bless you and worship you as we live our lives for you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.